This is Rob McConnell wishing each and every one of you a very, very Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy, prosperous New Year. From our home to yours, love, light, and spirituality today and every day from this day forward. Merry Christmas, everyone. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, starting in November, we move our studios back to Niagara to the new broadcast center of NNTV. And we're looking forward to that. Back in Niagara after starting the show back in the Niagara, going back 20 years ago. My heavens, a complete circle. My guest this hour is Barbara With. And uh, Barbara is an international spe- peace activist, award-winning author, psychic channel, composer, performer, workshop facilitator, and inspirational speaker. Her books include Imagining Einstein or Imaging Einstein, Essays on M-Theory, World Peace, and The Science of Compassion, the winner of two 2007 book awards, Party of Twelve, The Afterlife Interviews, winner of the 2008 Beach Book Awards for Spirituality, Party of Twelve, post-9-11, the true story of her journey to become the emissary for Albert Einstein, and the diaries of a psychic sorority talking with the angels. Joining me now is Barbara With And Barbara, welcome to the X-Zone. Good evening, Rob. Thanks for having me. So tell me, when did you know that you were a psychic? Um, I always like to preface my psychic work with my musical work, because I began writing music probably when I was about 12 years old, Mm -hmm. and that kind of experience of going into the nothing and pulling out words and melody and meaning 
really was the preamble to be able to um, become a channel myself. In high school, I went to a channel. She happened to be the mother of a friend of mine, and we didn't call it channeling back then, all those many years ago. Uh, but I studied with her for probably about 10 years, and it was in 1987 that I started to spontaneously automatic write. And because of my experience, I had I knew what it was, but it was still very um, you know, exciting and a surprise. So after writing for about a year, I took a chance at a small gathering, and I spoke as my mentor had, and that was the beginning of a very long and wild ride uh, into the world of channeling and eventually discovering um, Einstein. Tell me, what was it like the first time that you, uh, you, you did a channeled reading for someone and, and they validated everything that you were saying? Well, after the year that I sat writing, people would come over and I would write um, there was a lot of positive feedback, and people wanted more of it. But when I really got the validation was the first time that I spoke. I was in a small group at a party, and I explained to everybody, you know, what, what was going on and, and would mm-hmm. they be willing to experiment. And one man was very skeptical and kind of cynical, and I told him I respected his view, but if he could just be respectful of his questions... Um, And then I kind of closed my eyes, not really knowing what I was doing, but I felt this shift inside me of energy, like there was this flow from my feet up through my head, as if something was sort of whooshing by me. And I began to speak, and I honestly don't remember what was said. That was many years ago. But when I was through, I had gone around and addressed everybody individually. And when I was through and opened up my eyes, probably about half the people were crying. And I don't think it was because of bad things, but it just resonated so deeply mm-hmm. with people, and they wanted more. And that was sort of all I needed as far as validation of that talent. Um, validation that it's Einstein, um, that's a kind of another more complicated Well, story. let's talk about that when we come back from this two-minute commercial break, Barbara. Barbara okay. With is my special guest, www.barbarawith.com. That's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-W-I-T-H.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, www.exxonradiotv.com. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. 
www.thepetshow.com. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. With us, our special guest, Exonation, www.barbarawith.com. That's www.barbarawith.com. Barbara, how did you learn that you were actually channeling Albert Einstein? Well, that was a very slow unfolding. Um, when I first started spontaneously writing, I, of mm-hmm. course, asked, you know, who are you? And I got the answer that they were sound. And I didn't quite understand what that meant, but it made sense considering my life of a, as a composer and a musician. So for many years, I just, when people would come for readings, I would say I was a conduit for your higher power speaking through me. And that's about all it was. Um, but in 1993, I began to do groups with two other women and uh, held... Uh, some master sessions to see what would happen, what would be said if there was a group of people. And in that time period, the girls asked, who are you? And they said, you can call us angels. And at the time, I was a little suspect, frankly. I have always been something of a skeptical person, which I think is a healthy thing. But it just didn't feel right to me. But, you know, it felt better than some strange name from Egypt or, you know, everybody had Ankara or Solaris or whatever. So we went with the angels for a while. And in 1998, when I was writing my second book, Party of Twelve, The Afterlife Interviews, um, one of the interviewees in that book was Einstein. And when I did that session, my literary agent was asking the questions and conducting the interviews, and we had chosen to uh, try to put together this book to see 
uh, what kind of information we could glean. And when Einstein got into the queue, it was an old, familiar voice, like putting on old slippers. And I thought, this is just too um, familiar to me. But I kind of went along still very skeptical. The information, though, was what was important to me, what was being said, um, and how did that hold up, you know, in the practical world as well as the spiritual world. And it was very uh, practical information that I was receiving from these angels. So in 2005, the anniversary of his Einstein's um, miracle year of 1905, um, 2005 was declared the year of physics by the United Nations in honor of Einstein. And I thought, I'll do this little book. I'll just do a book just channeling Einstein. Let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And from that has come a really a most amazing tiny little book about uh, the manifestation of matter, uh, human consciousness, maps of human consciousness. Uh, and it was really that book that I was able to take this documented information that was very strictly Einstein and start to uh, test the validity and see the feedback and see what people felt about it. And in um, 2007, when I really released it, I met up with the Crimson Circle, which is another spiritual channeling group. And they all believed that there were dead people <laughs> that you talk to. There was no skepticism there. And when I entered in with Einstein, they all really validated um, the experience of that. But right now, I am finding as I put this information in front of um, the scientific community, not the metaphysical or you know the paranormal community, there's a lot of exciting response about about the unified field that has come through this and the maps of human consciousness and how it all works. Um, I think the maps hold up well against any scientific theory that I've found that is a unified field, which are, you know, there's three or four out there right now that are pretty pretty solid and very similar uh, to, to what is contained in that book. So, you know, maybe the jury's still out, <laughs> but at least I'm, I'm open and looking and testing and... Um, experimenting with that. I personally believe that we'll never really know, but that you get to have a subjective opinion. And my opinion is that it is Einstein. It's just too profound of information for me, Barb Wyeth. I I never went to college. You know, I went right on the, on the road in rock and roll right out of high school. I mm -hmm. dropped out of physics class. So there's a lot of... Um, many, many pieces of the puzzle that make an argument for it being Einstein. Does channeling affect you personally? You know, it, for me, it actually does. It's a very dissociative process. And I myself have, um, through the years, experienced some mental challenges. Um, you might call them disorders, what have you, um, you know, the really rigid scientific medical community uh, tells me that there's some schizophrenia or dissociative identity disorder that goes on. Um, and yet, um, some of the brilliance and the genius that comes out of that, you know, alleged disorder <laughs> uh, is so profound. So, 
I have to ground and I have to make sure that I uh, take very good care of myself because it, it is a kind of dissociative experience. So how do you ground yourself? How do you protect yourself? Well, it's a lot of learning. Um, people often ask me after a session if I'm tired, and I describe it as a marathon runner who goes out and does a couple miles. So some of it is just, it's so innate in me. I've been channeling for so long. Some of it I really do have to, um, my, I have to have my regular yoga classes. Um, there's a process that came through in the channeling with the angels that is now called conflict revolution. And it's Einstein's revolutionary way of dealing with conflict on the inner level of the psyche. And I pretty much have to adhere to that in order to uh, feel this energy, a lot of feeling and breathing and, and reducing my thinking, you know, worrying fluctuations of the mind, mm-hmm. being close to nature. I live a very simple life on a very simple, in a simple place here in northern Wisconsin and um, surround myself with people who... Um, understand and support it rather than are constantly bringing it down or tearing it down. Um, although, like I said, I like to be open to, to the scrutiny of skepticism. I really enjoy that. But for the most part, it's basic good hygiene and self-love. Tell me, why do you think uh, I, Albert Einstein chose you to be his, his communication link with this world? You know, Rob, I ask myself that a lot, especially when it's difficult, mm-hmm. when when the road gets very difficult and heavy from carrying this burden. Um, some people, uh, it's hard to convey that while it all sounds really exciting on paper, that it's been a big challenge for me in my life, especially in my mental health, because it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, it really can be very crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I, I wondered... You know, does Barbara Walters ask herself why was she born to grow up to be a woman who got to interview all the famous people? Maybe she does, I suppose. Yeah, but, but she chose end, she chose that field. She chose that field. She went to journalism school. She 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 groomed herself for that. Yes, but a lot of people do and never make it. Those who really try do. Well, yes, uh, yes, and and I suppose in a way. Um, you know, in a, in a bigger, maybe soul level, mm-hmm. you know, what I what did I come here to do? You know, it was imprinted on my DNA. Um, I and of course I'm completely I've been completely fascinated by this line of work for a very long time, but I really don't know. I don't know why I was chosen to carry forth this information, but uh, I'm very honored. Have you ever asked? Well, you know. Yes, and sort of like you know, you volunteered and you were chosen. Oh, I see. Now, I, I, you're you're very musically inclined. Do you think that there is a connection between music and those who have the ability to channel or who are psychically attuned to the outside world? Well, I don't know if there's necessarily a connection uh, over, across the board, but I do know that when you perform music or mm-hmm. even when you listen to music, the effect of the sound takes you outside of the regular world. You know how you hear a song that was important to you as, in a, as a teenager and sure. boom, you're right back there. Yeah. And some of that is that if when you look at the maps, um, of consciousness that Einstein has put forth, um, matter 
really in the source uh, before it becomes the physical world, um, the progression from sort of the nothingness, you know, the void, into the mathematics that then become the matter, there's a very sequential place in the process where sound emerges uh, before light, actually. So I think that sound plays a very important part of all of creation. Uh, everything has a vibration and a tone underneath it. So music is really intertwined in that. You and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by, Barbara. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Exxon Nation, Barbara with us, our special guest. Her website is www.barbarawith.com. That's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-W-I-T-H.com. And don't forget, starting November 2010, that's in about two months from now, the Exxon will be broadcasting from our new broadcast home at NNTV, a brand new network in Niagara, Ontario. We're going to be we're going to be broadcasting radio and television at the very same time from their uh, theater studio that's located on Queen Street in Niagara Falls. And we'll have all the information if you're in the Niagara Falls area. You're more than welcome to drop in to us and uh, sit down and be part of the audience at the Exxon Radio TV show that will be broadcast from the studios of NNTV. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. My email address, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV and Hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Once again, Barbara Witt is our special guest, and her website, www.barbarawith.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back right after this news break. Don't go away. From our home to yours, this is Laura Rogers wishing all the members of the Exo Nation a very Merry Christmas and a happy and joyful New Year. I'm of a Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Witch Doctor's power and his ancient tribal ways cruelly collide with the force and authority of modern Africa. Africa is viewed through myriad eyes. You will never forget these characters. A young girl forced to endure a painful, cruel, and antiquated tribal custom. The sole survivor of a vicious tribal massacre. A nun who endures physical assault that compels her to question her faith. A deprived, disadvantaged schoolgirl who is infected with HIV. The translucent soul of a murdered friend. Welcome to Africa's Unfinished Symphony. While the tale of South Africa in the wake of World War II is riveting, violent, and cruel, it is also brimming with stories of kindness, compassion, and courage. Africa's Unfinished Symphony highlights commanding characters who not only bring haunting racial clashes to life, but also convey the intense conflicts that existed between archaic customs and modern influences. You will be captivated as you follow the convoluted path of Farida of the ancients battling to become Bertha of the modern world. 
But are the outcomes of her struggle the best results for her and her beloved Africa? Africa's Unfinished Symphony will immerse you in historic African themes that will jolt you out of complacency and into compassion. For more information on how you can get your very own copy of Africa's Unfinished Symphony, visit www.luciaman.com. That's www.luciaman.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www www.exoneradiotv.com Nation Barbara with is my special guest for this hour. Her website is www.barbarawith.com. Barbara, how does your channeling uh, differ from other channelers? Well, I, I think there's a, a segment of channelers presently that are really dealing with kind of high-level information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the power of what my work is about is taking some very complex ideas and systems and bringing that, them down into a completely practical worldview that really does uh, not only resolve the conflict within the psyche, but then changes your relationship to the physical world to be more fluid, to be more magical, um, and whole, holistic, unified, obviously, is Einstein's um, feeling. And he created a process, um, I believe, because when he was living, he was such a peace advocate. He traveled the world um, trying to get a, a government, universal government, trying to unite people. But he realized that, uh, I think one of his famous quotes is, it's easier to denature plutonium than it is to get evil out of the hearts of humans. Mm. So this process is really 
very simple to understand but powerful process of change in your relationship to yourself that you can do anywhere. And the supermarket line is one of his favorite places to talk about it. Um, and, and so that's how I think it differs. It's very practical and it's very um, interactive. So it gives you clear things to do in your life to uh, resolve the conflicts of the inner world that then manifest outwardly as peace and abundance and manifestation, etc. What do people say when you talk to them and they say, well, so, Barbara, what do you do? And you say, well, I, I, I channel Albert Einstein. You know? what's, what's, their, what's their initial reaction? Well, you, you have to, of course, realize that I, I don't always say that quite like that. Um, uh, one of the things about the book, in fact, Imagining Einstein, was that I got a grant from my local arts foundation here and I was going to call it Channeling Einstein, but I knew a lot of the people on the board were from the church, and I didn't want to upset anyone, so uh, I called it Imagining. Um, I think it's all across the board, Rob. I mean, some people are like, you what? You know, and other people are just, their eyes light up, and they're like, really? i got to hear this, because I love Einstein. So many people love Einstein still in the world. He's still a rock star. Uh, and I travel the world um, right. speaking and channeling and, and doing my workshops, and the people who come who who are so curious about him are always, almost always uh, transformed in some way. So I, I try to, you know, gauge my shock level <laughs> depending on who I'm talking to. You know, why I asked you that is we, we've had guests on the show over the 20 years doing the show now who channel Lady Diana, John Lennon, President Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, uh, and, and the list goes on. And I love asking them that question because I never get the same reply. Um, is is there a central theme of questions that people ask Einstein about? Are they mostly scientific or do people ask actually ask about their own lives? Both. Um, it, it runs the gamut. I would say the most consistent questions are about the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. That people are... So right now into quantum physics and, you know, what is this, you know, physics and spirituality are kind of merging, you yeah. know, Greg Brayton and all of that. So most of the bulk of the question is about, is about reality and the nature of reality and our relationship to it. But when people come for private readings, which I, which I do um, over the phone, um, they ask a lot of personal questions and the answers are provide them with basically step-by-step instructions as to how to have a new approach to those old problems that then transform them on everyday basis. And I have thousands of people through the years who have told me the revolutionary um, effect that this process that Einstein has brought forth has had on their lives. I mean, miracles and physical transformations. Um, I had a woman, uh, a lot of people use this process to deal with their depression, or, or I have a woman in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina right now who's using this process of Einstein to help heal her diabetes. Um, so there's every level across the board that people apply this information to that has a really a fairly profound effect. Is there a message that Einstein would like the world to know? Is there something you'd like to tell the world? I 
think, beside from this body of work, yeah. that he would want to say, it all begins within you, and anything else is kind of an illusion that it doesn't. And so that people can empower themselves and know themselves mm-hmm. and change themselves in order to make the world a better place. What does Einstein say the other side or where wherever he is is like? Does he compare does he make a comparison with that reality to the reality that he knew on this side? Well, actually what he says right in the beginning of the book is that after he lost his physical body, um he realized that the I think at his time they called it the ethers. Mm-hmm. I think now they call it dark energy and dark matter that, you know, 90% of the universe is really unaccounted for. And when he lost his physical body and became pure energy and consciousness, he realized that this was a very familiar place because it was very much like dreams and imagination. And that goes back to the beginning of our conversation where with music, you know, you go into the nothingness and out of your just imagination, you pull melody and meaning and words. And I think that's what his, his first... Uh, impression was not only that there was this amazing order to these multiple complex systems, but that it was a very familiar place, this afterlife, and that part of us, part of you, part of me, energetically, even as we speak, exists in that state. So that afterlife really isn't, you know, you're living and now you're dead. It's, It's a part of you, even when you're alive, that when the body, you know, E equals MC squared, well, you take away the mass, and just mathematically, the energy increases, you know, exponentially. So it was very familiar to him. It's like we go through life being the caterpillar, and when we go on to the next uh, next part of our journey, we go through the metamorphosis, and we become a butterfly. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Exonation Barbara with us, our special guest. Uh, her book is entitled... Imaging Einstein, Essays on the M-Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. Her website is www.barbarawith.com. That's www.barbarawith.com. Now, how did you come to travel the world teaching and training Conrev and channeling Einstein? I had the opportunity when my first book came out, or when the book first came out, um, to appear at an event that was held by uh, the Crimson Circle, um, which is uh, Jeff Hoppy and uh, Linda Benio, and they, they channel. And they have a following around the world mm-hmm. and a beautiful live um, Internet helming uh, response system. But I started to get invitations mm-hmm. from everywhere. And I thought, you know, this will keep me busy for about five years. So (laughs) that was three years ago, and now I'm still going. Uh, I'll be going back to Norway and Bucharest, maybe Bulgaria and Austria this winter, um, and doing the work. It's very exciting. People are ready. Why do you think people are more interested in channeling psychic phenomenon, uh, the paranormal, at this time of the world's juncture than at any other time in recorded history? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. One is because the, um, the, this consciousness raising, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, that we've all been engaged in for years is really finally starting to kick in. <laughs> and 
you know, our expanded awareness, our ability to take in more information, to understand greater, you know, we're all bombarded every day by so much knowledge and information. I think also that the world is getting, there's a kind of a out of control, you know, the weather and the, you know, it's kind of a scary place and people want to know more. They want to know that there's more than just this finite world. Um, but I also think that physics and spirituality are on a natural conversion path uh, to unification, and it's time for the world to start thinking in a more unified way. Um, a lot of people in the world are working towards these things, but you never see them on the news. You know, you don't see them necessarily, um, you know, in the streets. You don't know who they are, but there's a lot of people who just want to know and, you know, why am I here, and mm -hmm. how is matter created? Um, natural part of this evolution. Heaven knows where we're going, but <laughs> very exciting time. What does Einstein say about the, the nuclear thread that the world is teetering on these days? Well, you know, he put out a paper, actually posthumously, um, Bertrand Russell and he were working on a paper at the end of his life called the Russell-Einstein Manifesto that got read in July of 1955 in London. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a prophetic paper about, you know, if nuclear power, and this is 55, so if nuclear weapons continue like this, we're pretty much going to destroy their Earth. And I think if in his... Um, in the place of afterlife, when he when he died, he he was so obsessed not only with finding a unified field, but how his work had impacted the planet. What was Hiroshima and Nagasaki and mm -hmm. such that he brought this pressing need into the afterlife, which was a lot of why I think he worked so hard to find a way to get it, this information back out because theoretically, this conflict revolution that he's created and has tested with me and my associates for many years, reduces this internal conflict that then doesn't have to manifest outside as far as wars or fighting or, you know, you deal with it on this inner level and it naturally brings a peaceful environment. Um, so I think this is his, you know, his legacy to answer what he might have done while he was alive that might have helped promote, you know, propagate nuclear weapons knowing that you can't really, you know, he tried the government, you know, he tried the international world government and realized that people were never going to get along. Mm -hmm. So you had to start with one person at a time. Did he and ever have any, did he, did he have any regrets um, with his part in the development of nuclear annihilation? He, he did. He, and he clearly says in the book that he was a pacifist. You know, he was a very vocal pacifist for a very long time until Hitler. Mm -hmm. And then he was torn because he didn't think he could just stand by and not, you know, be an activist for peace. Um, and so part of his incentive to get the government to start the development of nuclear weapons was because he was afraid that... Um, uh, the German government was already ahead of it. I don't think he ever imagined that we would do that and then turn around and bomb, bomb Japan. And that experience of bringing the nuclear weapons into reality um, and, and, and those two bombs going off, I think just completely sickened him in his soul. 
And he probably didn't live the last 10 years of, life, of his life with anything other than the obsession about how could you change this, you know. Um, so it's really brilliant, I think, that he's, he's come back to present this process that's so effective and revolutionary. Now, the challenge is to inspire people to want to um, live that worldview for themselves. Does someone on the other side have the ability to look into the future? Yes, to a certain extent. Um, I think there's potentials, you know, mathematical equations, mm-hmm. possibilities, probabilities, you know, sure sure bets, and kind of um, predict. I know that in my readings, um, I don't tout myself as someone who's going to, you know, predict when your boyfriend's coming back, but... There certainly have been a lot of prophetic information through the years that is is stunning to me. All right, stand by, Barbara. You and I have to take our final break. Exonation Barbara with is our special guest. www.barbarawith.com. She's the author of Imaging Einstein: Essays on M Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we do our wrap up for tonight, Monday, September the thirteenth, in the year twenty ten. We'll be back. Don't go away. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. 
If you enjoy reading a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love From Out of the Woodwork by William S. Peckham. Sean Kennedy, a Toronto contractor, buys derelict houses, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, a century house in ruins, and starts the renovation, the house fights back. He is visited by ghosts of owners past. His visions are triggered by touching an oak mantle, reading a faded letter, opening an old locket, or opening a brand new casket in the basement. These visions will take you on a trip across southern Ontario from Niagara Falls to Toronto to Kingston. From Out of the Woodwork is now available in paperback and on your favorite electronic reader. To order your copy of From Out of the Woodwork, go to www.williamspeckham.com. That's www.williamspeckham.com. And welcome back, everyone. Barbara with us, our special guest. And the name of her book is Imagining Einstein. Essays on M-Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. Her website is www.barbarawith.com. And Barbara, where can listeners get copies of your book, Imagining Einstein? Well, you can uh, go to my website or any of the online bookstores, or you could special order from a storefront. Um, pretty much available everywhere. Super. Uh, what advice would you give others who wish to become the change and uh, make a difference in this conflicted world, Barbara? Um, I would just say that we have so much more power and influence than we ever give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. So to really look at your own life, your own thoughts, your own decision, you know, your own contributions uh, is really where our power lies. And that's, I think, where people really want to go and know how to use now, where can people actually go to see you, Channel Einstein? Uh, well, uh, this week on the September 17th, I'll be at hand with Seeds in Stoughton, Wisconsin. But you can check my website, barbarawith.com, for all my appearances around the world. Tell me, what, or has anybody ever asked Einstein what his take on December the 21st, 2012 will be? Um. I don't think anyone has specifically asked him, but there have been some questions in some groups that have been, a, you know, kind of the collective voice mm-hmm. of the party. And, and, and the whole idea is that prophecies um, are not to be necessarily lived by, that really it was it, the, the, the prediction, it'll, it'll be much like Y2K. There's so much change going on that that particular date and this particular year and 
all of that um, is really not going to have that big an impact itself. But, of course, we're all on this movement of evolutionary pushing forth consciousness that is only going to continue into 2012. What is your major prediction for the world in the next year? Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of miracles. There's going to be a lot of um, alternative energy inventions coming up. There's going to be um, new cooperative peace measures internationally, um, a lot of personal satisfaction and gain. I think, we're, I think we're in an upswing. I think we're finally getting it. I think a bunch of us are. Yeah. I know that you're one lady who certainly is, and Barbara, it's been a great pleasure talking to you this past hour. Please don't be a stranger, and the next time you're talking to Einstein, just say, hey, you know the guy who does the Exxon? He said to say hi. Okay. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself. Continued success, Barbara. Barbara with has been my you. special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. The name of her book is Imagining Einstein, Essays on M-Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. Once again, her website is www.barbarawith.com. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. I'd like to thank our listeners around the world, whether you're in your car, your home, at work, wherever. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your day or your night. Who knows where it is around this great big world of ours. As I always say, if you have a child at home, give them a hug, give them a kiss. The children of today are the leaders of tomorrow. And and if you can help a friend out, a neighbor out, someone in need, please do. So until tomorrow night, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night, everyone. <laughs>